in the wide, wide world of sports is going on in. Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. No more back thinking, time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. There's so much hatred, war and poverty. Oh, wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way. Oh, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you had better. Let's get them up, get them going. It's uh, the final day of May, if you can believe that, already about to be in the sixth month of the year after today, and it's going to get you over the hump Wednesday already on this short week, coming out of Memorial Day. It's the calm before the storm. lot to come. NBA Finals, Game 1 tomorrow night. Stanley Cup Finals begins over the weekend. Of course, the college baseball tournament, the Field of 64. It's rocking and rolling this weekend as well. So a lot to look forward to. Also, conference meetings going on, SEC meetings in Destin, Florida. A lot of news made there yesterday. We'll certainly dive head first there as the Longhorns and Oklahoma Sooners plan their uh, entrance into that conference next year. Uh, but the current Texas Longhorns planning for the 2023 season. They're last in the Big 12. Summer workouts will begin into the month of June with the Longhorn players returning to campus. So a lot to discuss, a lot to get to. Major League Baseball is at its one-third pole and uh, one-third mark of the season. Texas Rangers, their best record in franchise history after last night's win. We'll certainly talk some MLB. It's about a month out to the All-Star break and a lot to do there as well. Summertime in the ATX is here, and we appreciate you being there. Wherever you're finding us, maybe it's uh, 104.9 on the FM dial, the traditional route, also on 101.9 FM, AM 1260, and digitally, this is the time of year you certainly have to make sure you have that, that uh, Horn app downloaded and ready to go. Take us wherever you go on your vacations and trips this uh, spring and summer. A uh, couple of pushes of the button, and you're listening to it. It's live and local wherever you are. Also, you can listen on your smart speaker uh, at home or work, and always, Mr. Godbolt, streaming for you live and local right there at our website. Also on our Twitch channel, you can watch the program and the programs on the Horn at hornfm.com. Good morning to the soldiers at Fort Cabasas, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day. Thank you so very much for the great job that you do, and to your families, thank you too. We do appreciate it each and every day. Do be careful out there. Do, do, do be do, careful. Do, please. Yes, no question. Yeah, last day of the month. Can you believe that's already end of wow. May? Today's the 31st, so we'll flip it into June tomorrow and uh, be rolling into a busy weekend, as we say, and a lot going on. Uh, kind of a calm before the storm Wednesday here this morning. We'll look forward to the NBA Finals. Uh, had a big development on the West Coast uh, with the Golden State Warriors yesterday in the NBA. We'll get uh, thoughts there. And certainly a lot of focus on the SEC meetings that are going on in Destin, Florida. Nick Saban. Nick Saban making some serious news yesterday, at least a voicing his opinion. Let's get to the headlines. It uh, got that Nick Saban story in there. Let's get to the top news, trending topics to get you launched on a Wednesday. UBO Business Services brings it to you. Yeah, we'll get to the night in the big leagues here coming up. First, so SEC spring meetings underway in Destin, Florida. Two major topics, scheduling in football and the NIL. 
or the topic of NIL. On the topic of scheduling, it's the, which model the conference will adopt beginning in 2024 when Texas and Oklahoma join the conference. Two most prominent being debated are the 3-plus-9 nine-game model in conference play, which would have four, all 14 teams playing three teams on an annual basis. Uh, two other teams, I should say, and then rotating their six other conference games annually. And then there's the eight-game schedule model, which is a one-plus-seven. That would preserve just one annual rival game and then rotate the other seven throughout the season. That's being debated right now. Also in Destin yesterday, Alabama head coach Nick Saban made news when he voiced his support for the prospect of college athletes unionizing and being treated as employees rather than the current name, image, and likeness concept that he says creates inequities for schools from state to state. From the podium in Destin yesterday, Nick Saban said, quote, unionize it and make it like the NFL. I have no problem with that. I mean, if it's going to be the same for everyone, I think that's better than what we have now. Major League Baseball last night, Texas Rangers beat Detroit 10-6, proved to 35-19, and the best record in franchise history at the one-third mark. Ten more runs for the league's highest scoring offense. And how about the big league debut for Grant Anderson out of the Rangers' bullpen? After being called up from Round Rock earlier in the day, the right-hander took over for Martin Perez in the fifth inning of a one-run game with runners on and proceeded to strike out seven of the next eight batters he faced over two and two-thirds in his uh, Major League debut to get his first Major League win. Down in Houston, meanwhile, Astros improved to 32-22 and 22 at the 54-game mark. 5-1 win over the Twins. Alex Bregman, Homer, drove in two. Brandon Belak and three relievers combined on a six-hitter for the team that has allowed the fewest runs so far this season in Major League Baseball. Down the road in Sugarland, there, Round Rock dropped the, their opener to the Space Cowboys 5-4. to four. NBA, big development from the Bay Area on the eve of Game 1 of the NBA Finals. The official word now that the Golden State Warriors president of basketball operations, Bob Myers, stepping away from that franchise. Myers has been the team's GM and chief architect since 2012, overseeing the construction of a roster that's made six trips to the NBA Finals, won four championships. Change in New York as well. Knicks have parted ways with their general manager, Scott Perry, after six seasons. And yeah, the quest for this year's NBA championship begins tomorrow night. Game one of the finals in Denver. The top-seeded Nuggets hosting the eighth-seeded Miami Heat. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. Oh, yeah. Nick Saban says unionize the damn thing. We don't have as much money as Texas and Texas A&M and USC. And their rules are different. Remember, the Texas legislature sure. just passed a, a new law in the state that makes uh, the NILs and the, uh, the collectives even easier to collect money and uh, raise some funds for student-athletes. Uh, and obviously Nick Saban has voiced his issue with yeah, Texas He's trying A&M. to get it to be all the same. Yeah, I mean, he's for the federal way and unionizing. Making, I mean, this has always been the argument. They can't become employees. And I think Nick Saban knows that, Buck. I mean, employees come with... You know, insurance and taxes. taxes and all that goes with that. There's not a university in the country that wants that, uh, I don't believe. At the same time, Nick Saban in the sport of football wants to see it because, uh, look, it's, he, he, it sounds like you know a guy who's won all these championships and dominated the sport, you know, sour grapes, but at the same time he lives in a state and plays it and coaches at a school that's never going to have the money no. from the boosters like Texas and Texas A&M do or USC. Uh, no, he cited those three yesterday. Um, you know, from the podium, he said what I what I quoted him saying in the uh, the update, but then he stepped off the podium and he was talking to Matt Hayes of Saturday Down South, and says, "You think parody is here?" Nick Saban said after stepping away from the press conference podium, "I think the way Southern Cal, Texas, and Texas A and M are spending money, it hasn't hit yet. Uh, what are you willing to spend?" So yeah, he's trying to get it to be uniformed and everybody spending the same. You know, making their making their players employees of the university. Well, they get taxed anyway. None of that stuff is... Well, yeah, the players have to pay taxes yeah, on pay what they... Taxes. You know, all income that comes through the NIL, that's obvious. But at the same time... Once again, you're going to have to get a commissioner. That means of the whole thing. 
Well, and again, I think the thing that is most, and I think we have to separate big time football from everything else. Sure. I, we're not to that point yet. We haven't gotten there. I think we're headed to that. Is that four conferences, that's it? Yeah, four, four conferences, you know, obviously FCC, Big Ten, ACC, and then probably the, the Big 12, adding a few more schools sure. with the demise of the Pac-12 as far as being big time, uh, with USC and UCLA leaving that conference. Obviously, Oregon, Washington, and some of the Stanford would land somewhere. But yeah, then you uh, you separate the top, whatever whatever that is, Buck, 64 teams, and they play big time football and potentially in the national commissioner split from the go. NCAA. Like commissioner yeah, of football. make it make that group as uniform as possible. When and could, could they could they become employees of some kind? I don't know again the, the way to get to the avenue to that. But at the same time, then the NCAA stays in charge of everything else. But big time college football, um, there's or a, you could just let it go on the way it's going until it explodes. But it's not going to explode. It's just going to some somebody's going to have a better advantage. Yeah. every year or the free market will reign. And right. yeah, Texas and you and Texas right. A&M will be better than you know, most likely better than you know Texas Tech might get better than Alabama at that point because Texas Tech probably has you know uh, more billionaire boosters than uh, than Alabama does at this point. And you know Nick Saban won't be around forever, Mm-mm. but he's looking at the future obviously of where that stands. But uh, it is where, where it's at. And um, I don't. I will say this. I don't know that he's wrong. That it's that it's not ever going to be equal. Um, but if equality is the goal, the question then begs to Nick Saban: Has college football ever been equal? I mean, has that ever been? It's always been the haves and have-nots, has it not? Uh, sure. As has. far as that goes, even before NIL and before you know, there, there's been dominant programs over time uh, that are you know always going to have more opportunities and be better. Uh, but, you know, this is a new structure of how it's going to create the inequities, but doesn't mean it's always been on evil, uh, on level ground. But obviously that will be an ongoing conversation into the summer, especially with Texas and Texas A&M and certainly Oklahoma joining the conference to join Texas A&M. Uh, you, you know, Nick Saban has voiced his displeasure with Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies on many an occasion so far. Well, he knows how much they have. Sure. And now they're both going to be in, in the conference and, uh, we can take your thoughts on that. Specs text line 512-337-3776. And it's safe to say when Nick Saban speaks, people listen because he's won the most national championships of anybody. He's dominated college football at Alabama and LSU before that. And his opinion matters, carries a lot of weight. And that's what he had to say yesterday. He wants uh, unionized. and but, he, but Nick Saban knows they can't unionize and employ all student-athletes. No. That can't happen. I mean, there's no feasible way to do that. The University of Texas, for example, has over 500 Student-athletes. those You can't make them all employees. This is why name, image, and likeness was the better avenue, because they can cash in while still being quote-unquote amateurs under the rules of the NCAA. They can make money on their own name, image, and likeness. But, you know, that's led to the... You're going to have to have other committees on your campus to take care oh. of. So, I mean, it'd be non-ending at a place like Texas or Texas A&M. Yeah. I mean, I don't... Uh, again, there, there there's a plan, but there has to be a way. But at the same time... You know, Nick Saban saying unionize all of them, that he knows that can't happen. I mean, that's that's a comment that has no realistic chance of ever happening. Um, but, you know, it, I would agree with him that it's going to be unequal, uh, unequal under this current system because we just saw it here in, in Texas and sure. in, in, at the Capitol. They just passed a new new piece of legislation, the, the, the bill that will give more freedom to the, uh, to the to the funds in the state of Texas and their ability to raise money from boosters. And that's that's obviously going to be an advantage for for schools in this state, including Texas and Texas A and M, versus schools playing in the SEC that aren't in the state of Texas because the rules are different for for teams here versus teams there. 
Yeah, I mean, making laws is, you know, you can't make them, then switch them again and make them, then make other laws. <laughs> just got to get to, but you're going to have to try something. Are you something. sure you can't do that? I think we just did. Well, <laughs> I think they just did that. And, and obviously the idea of, of changing it and adding some more, you know, within the law, the rules uh, for the schools, it was lobbied on by the schools, right? I mean, the the, the schools were lobbying our, well, they don't our state leaders. Well, that, no, they do. They wanted the, the freedom to, look, they want to be able to use the Texas One Fund and the Aggies, what's it called, the 12, 12 plus model or the 12 man model, plus one, whatever, sure. their collective. They want to be able to, for boosters who donate regularly, they can earn points and privileges and parking, just like they do with the uh, the Longhorn Foundation. Absolutely. Same thing with, with donating money directly that will go to NIL that will then be distributed to student athletes and players. Uh, that money, you, before you couldn't uh, give perks and give bonuses back to boosters who are donating, now they can, at least within the state law of the University of Texas, or state law of Texas, and at the University of Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, all the schools that play in this state, will have that opportunity with their collectives and their funds. Uh, NIL, you know, distribution centers, I guess we can call them. Yeah, but that that's just changed now uh, with the, the, the governor's signature. And uh, that's on its way. But um, that's uh, the big topic at, at, uh, at the SEC media day, or not media days, not media days, just uh, SEC meetings. Uh, Nick Saban ruffling some feathers yesterday or making some waves there in Destin, Florida. Uh, the other big debate is uh, scheduling. And uh, where it's going to go, uh, I think you and I are on the same page of nine-game conference schedule. Yes. Uh, this is for fans, and I think for us and for, for Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, the idea of nine conference games keeps it the same as the Longhorns have been playing in the Big 12. Remember, all the uh, major conferences play nine conference games except the SEC. They play eight, including this year. Uh, Texas plays the rotating, had been playing the rotating, you know, ten teams. Uh, now they're adding four more, but they're still going to play a nine-game schedule with 14 teams. Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC, all play nine games in conference play. SEC plays eight. Um, the hey, thought- Kirby, Kirby Smart says, what's taking so long? Let's just go. Right. Well, and but as we said yesterday, the, the hurdle right now is money. Uh, the, the, because the commissioner, Greg Sankey, can say what he wants about what he wants and foresees, which is the nine-game schedule uh, and the idea of each school – you're each team having two rivals that they play every year. So obviously for Texas, it would be Oklahoma and A&M. Mm-hmm. And they play those schools every year. Those are your rotating, you know, your, your, your three. And if you make it a three plus the, the rest, three plus six, well, then it's Texas playing Arkansas, A&M, and, and Oklahoma every year, which would be great for rivalries, bringing back the tradition of the old Southwest Conference in the, in the SEC. Uh, and then... You know, each school would have their their three rivals they play each year, and then rotate the rest of the schedule around with 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 various schools scheduled you know year by year. Uh, but then the one that right now is you know probably has the most votes is the keep it at eight games, play one rival game, and then rotate the other seven. Which is uh, you know that would make Texas probably take the Oklahoma game as their one rival. I don't think uh, you know ESPN wants to lose that game in Dallas every year. Yeah, you went, and plus, you went into the conference with them, right? And uh, so, if you have to choose one, well, then that opens up the idea that you wouldn't play A and M every year. You would rotate, and you'd see A and M every whatever the math does. However, often you'd play Texas A and M. Well, I would argue that ESPN would say, "Wait a second. One of the reasons we pushed for this and helped try to try to facilitate Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. We get Texas, Texas A and M again every year." 
every year, those two rivalry games in, on the card, and add the Arkansas game, and that's all the better, is that, you know, regrows those rivalries. Um, and But, you know, as we said yesterday, the big debate in, in Destin right now is there are schools pushing for ESPN to pay for that, saying, you know, if you want us to go to a ninth game, we look at that and say that's probably $5 million more annually to every school. You need to pay for that. That needs to be added to what you're already paying for the eight-game schedule. Uh, and I think that becomes the debate. I think ESPN's thought was, wait a second, if we're going to help facilitate this move. Are we going to get a freebie in there? Well, no, that was just going to be part of the deal. I mean, remember, when, when 2024 kicks in, the new SEC media deal kicks in at the rights with ESPN. Remember, CBS is out. ESPN is all SEC all the time. And the, the rights fees are going to be in the 70s, Oh, they're just going to name million. a number eight or nine and say you're going to pay for that at this price. Well, That's this, it. this is leverage between the – I think ESPN is saying, wait a second. We're already – we starting in 2024, we're already paying a huge sum uh, more than – you know, you'll make more than everybody but the Big Ten, and you want us to add a more – for one more conference game, I, I you know we're your partner on this. That that shouldn't be. So that's that's what's happening. But I think everybody favors, or I think most people favor nine. the nine game schedule. We had some people on the text line yesterday favoring the eight game schedule just because it gives you an advantage versus schools in the Big Ten and the Pac twelve, and you get you know one gimme game instead of playing another SEC game. Um, but same time, it, the models become the the issue and would likely prevent Texas. Look, you don't do this and not play Texas A and M every year, right? I mean, that would be very unfortunate if the Longhorns in Oklahoma make this move and all of a sudden they're, you're not playing A&M but once every you know, four, five, six years. I don't well, even know what the math me, would if be. You, if you gave me every other year, maybe. Yeah, that'd be better than just the rotation of sure. teams. Uh, even Jimbo Fisher at the SEC meetings yesterday said as much. said, no, I, if we had to choose one rival, we'd, we'd probably be Texas for tradition. But then Texas would have to choose. Under the one plus seven, you know, eight-game schedule, you can only take one. Uh, so you can't have both Oklahoma and A&M. I'm sure something will be worked out before four games begin in 2024. I think there's a lot of posturing going on at this point because we're still more than a year away from that being the reality. What would you rather have, Ty? Would you rather to play Texas, Texas A&M, or Texas, Oklahoma? Texas A&M. <gasps> I would, Dropping the OU game. I would almost lean to start to lean that way to get back to play in Texas A&M. You think so? Yeah. Hmm. They need to, they need to be put back in their place. Well, I mean, no, I just need that rivalry. That's oh, I mean, the rivalry is still there. There's a reason yeah. why I want to play them more. I mean, I I still think Oklahoma's right there, rivalry rise, you know. But it's, I just I, I miss I miss the the Aggies, man. I just I, I want to go back and beating their butts. But you also have to consider that the what the city of Dallas has done at the Cotton Bowl, spending money to renovate and keep that game and the Fair Park and everything that goes into Texas OU weekend. Uh, that's that's got to be a consideration as far as just. You know, a home and home game. And what happens with Ar- Arkansas and A and M? Right, so that's been theirs. And Arkansas or LSU and A and M too. Like they've been trying to create that rivalry. Well, does yeah. all that go out the window now? Correct. Well, look, that's got to be a huge payday for bo- any campus. Well, think, and it's, I mean, we, we're thinking about it from Austin, Texas, but think about it from the, the you know Alabama. They're not going to lose the Iron Bowl. They're going to play Auburn every year. Well, that means under the one plus eight rotation. Well, then they're not playing LSU every year. And they play Tennessee every year too, right? Right. I mean, you're, this thing's going to lose some rivalries, but that's why adding the the ninth game allows you to pick those those three games you're going to play every year, and those will rotate. So you know, Alabama can play Auburn; they can keep the uh, LSU game on the schedule, and 
you know, add one more. Yeah, but you're not getting Darby State in week 11 then, well, right? What it, week 12? It, it would be pretty disappointing to only see, like, have a home game against A&M once every four years. Like, if you're a freshman in college, you're like, oh, I'm only going to get to see that once yeah. in four I mean, years. That was – Like I said, I can get away with – Every other year, but after that, no, not for, like you said, four years. Well, every away. other year would be a home game once every four years. Would it not be? Yeah, yeah, that would suck. Uh, look, it, it would it, the eight game model sucks? But again, there there are a lot of the because remember the schools vote, and there are schools of the of the current you know twelve team SEC or you know fourteen team SEC going to sixteen that were that are saying wait no we want to stay at eight unless ESPN pays. But ESPN is saying we're already going. I mean, the new deal is in book is on the books. It starts in twenty twenty four. You're going to make seventy to seventy five million dollars yeah, in rights fees I, annually. I'd like to say it'll be about the universities, but TV has this deal down. I mean, what's the advantage for a school like Vanderbilt? They just collect seventy five million dollars yeah. annually in media just rights. Scared. They're just happy. To, <laughs> they're just happy to have a rival, I guess, South Carolina or whoever their rival is. Well, with that much, you know, revenue, when you're making more than. Everybody that's – if you're Vanderbilt and you're making as much money annually in, mm-hmm. from your media rights package from any school in college football except for the, the schools in the Big Ten, well, then you should, be, you should have a really good football program in time, right? You should be able to invest that, and you should be – I mean, the idea is eventually all 16 teams with this much revenue, it's, it's going to be like the NFL. There's going to be a lot of parity. There's going to be, you know, not one dominant team. Um, and that's – you know, Nick Saban said that yesterday from the podium that, you know, making it as equal as possible will make it – a lot more like the NFL, uh, where there's not one dominant team. But either way, still a lot to be worked out. But I think fans and all of us would hope for a nine-game schedule so you can – because when we don't remember when Texas – and this was announced two summers ago, the idea was that there'd be, you know, four divisions of four. And uh, they'd make up the 16, and so you'd have the – but they've eliminated that as an idea from, from the jump here, that we're just going to note a, a divisionless 16-team football league and the scheduling is how it's going to be played out. Is it three plus six or is it one plus seven? That's what's being debated right now. So we'll find out. And there, there will be a vote. I mean, they're going to make a plan for the 2024 schedule this summer at the meetings here in the spring and then into uh, July. They'll have another round of, of meetings ahead of it. But uh, it's it's going to be, you know, interesting. But, yes, if Texas has to choose between Oklahoma and A&M, that'd be a shame. Yeah, Because you mean. want both. <laughs> you want both annually. That's what this is about, and I think that's what ESPN was planning for. Uh, and again, that's I think ESPN would argue we don't need to add five more million to each school. We're already paying a huge sum to create this 16-team league and to put it on television every Saturday uh, and and feature these games and make it the best conference in college football. Yeah, say so you figure out who your rival is. Let's go. They should have done like if you want to have that extra game, do the pods and have like a conference tournament almost where the winners from each pod play, and then the conference tournament is the winner of those two. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean. Well, I mean. So I know they, it's never done, been done before, but that, they that elimin- makes more sense to me. They, they, Greg Sankey, the commissioner, you know, eliminated the idea of divisions from the very beginning. Like, no, no, no. We're what, going, was, what was the issue with it? The, Just, not enough support. Not enough support. They don't like it. Um, and, again, I, you know, it's you have got to have the, the – the they're still, they're still gonna, so it's not. There's not even going to be an East and West division. It's just going to be 18 teams, right? Is that how many? It's 16. Be 16. Yep. It's 14 now. Texas and Oklahoma will make First, it 16. second, third, fourth. And there'll be it. no East and West. Anymore. Nope. No East and West. It's just 16. It's just the SEC. And that's again the scheduling model is: Do you play your three plus six others that rotate, or one plus seven others that rotate? And that's what's on the table. And obviously, right now Texas is there with Jay Hartzell, the president, and Chris Del Conte, but they don't have a vote this year. They'll they'll begin having an, a say. And a, and a vote. They have a seat at the table this year, 
Next year, the next summer, they'll begin to be able to have a vote uh, in a 16-team conference they're joining. Right now, they're just there for you know, presence. That's going to create some nightmare tie-breaking situations. Without a doubt. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. Um, but, you know, that's where it stands, and, you know, we're the NIL conversation, the scheduling conversation, dominating Destin, Florida right now. Well, the NIL is not going to change in a year. Well, they're not. They're they're going to correct. They're going to try to set it up for the year, as you said. When cool. Texas comes into the SEC, they may try to try to give it a shot, but it'll be the same next year. E, I don't, I don't. Well, and as I said yesterday, we got to get to the timeout. I do think. Remember, two summers ago, the bombshell was Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC, which shook college football. You know, last summer was UCLA and USC in right. 2024. I still think that the, that coming up in this July. You could hear of Arizona and Colorado joining the Big 12 to further destabilize the Pac-12 um, and, and, you know, possibly drop Oregon and Washington into the Big 10, big picture. Because the faster that all solidifies, Buck, of what are going to be the four conferences and what is the top level of, of college football and what's the rest, the sooner that happens, the sooner than the split from the NCAA and mm-hmm. big-time football running itself happens. Um, but you know, right now the Pac-12 is still trying to create a media rights deal. The ACC is clamoring and saber rattling over there. Uh, that needs to get settled. Once it does, I think you'll have the you know, if someone accurately texts, it'll be like the Premier League in soccer. You'll have levels, right? You'll have the Premier League, and you can be relegated. I don't, I don't think we're going there, but you understand where we're going with big time football carrying everything else. But those are the conversations being had. We'll talk about them with you. We'll also get into uh, Major League Baseball with Ties Texas Rangers, best franchise mark through 54 games in history. We'll talk about what about the debut for uh, the young right-hander last night in Arlington, or in Detroit is where they were. Also get a Craig Way report coming up, some b facts of the day, and start to preview and drill in, drill down on game one. It's Bucky and Aaron. Well, right as I said on the way to the timeout, Buck, wait on, uh, be ready in July for more conference realignment announcements. And here is a story from CBS Sports this morning that says uh, Colorado and the Big 12 have met face-to-face while involved in constant talks over several months. Colorado is, uh, has been in substantive talks with the Big 12 about possibly joining the growing league, according to knowledge, so I source with knowledge of the discussions and CB telling CBS Sports. So same thing we've been hearing behind the scenes, too. The Colorado and Arizona. It's more prominent with Colorado because they don't have the politics. Like Arizona, I've been told, is also in, the, in, the, in conversations with the Big 12 and Brett Yormark, the commissioner. But they've got Arizona State, right, within their own state. And right. that they're not as eager to jump. They want to see what the Pac-12 has to offer and stay west. Uh, Arizona, though, everything I've heard, Arizona and Colorado would jump in a heartbeat here to jump into the Big 12. Uh, once Texas and Oklahoma leave to make you know keep it as a you know 14 team league when the Sooners and the Longhorns are gone, uh, and obviously Colorado brings you know whatever that Denver market is, and right now it doesn't look like a very appealing ad. But at the same time, if you project you know the impact Deion Sanders, you know running that program is going to have on that football program over the next you know five years, the growth there, you know there with Arizona, you're adding a great basketball program. By the way. Arizona got the commitment yesterday of the former North Carolina point guard Caleb Love, yep. who had committed to Michigan. Texas was in the mix there, but he commits to Art to Arizona to play for the Wildcats. But that's a great basketball program, and should be could be a good football program. Yeah, I should. I don't know why it's not. Uh, you bring the Phoenix market into play as well uh, with, with Arizona. If you're the Big Twelve looking to replace 
Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma, your biggest bell cow schools, we're moving on to the SEC. So keep an eye on that and keep your ear to the rail and into, into the month of July because I do think that could happen. And obviously, Buck, if that were to happen, let's just say Arizona and Colorado announced they're jumping into the Big 12 in 2024. Well, that further destabilizes what's left of the Pac-12, taking, you know, now all of a sudden you're, you know, you're, you're losing USC, UCLA, the LA market, and, you know, the Phoenix and Denver markets with Colorado and Arizona's departure. Um, you know, what's left at that point. Well, it would be up to the Big Ten to make their move if they want right. to jump one place like, like Stanford academically well, and all those sports and that, that they have. And that get real, gets really interesting because, you know, could the Big 12 or the Big Ten project as a 20-team conference, right? The, the, you know, with that move, because look, let me just say it this way. It, it, the, the way the Big Ten is now, when they add USC and UCLA next year, it's going to be the 16. Um, and they'll go coast to coast, right? They'll go from New York City at Rutgers to out of Los Angeles on the West Coast as a conference. But you're right. If, if the, uh, the two we're talking about join the Big 12, further destabilizing what's left of the Pac-12, well, that makes Washington and Oregon immediate candidates to join the, the Big, Big Ten, Ten yeah. uh, and make it an 18-team conference. Well, you, what do you do with Stanford? Are they still going to compete at the highest levels? They do. You know, right now Texas and Stanford are competing for that Directors' Cup, right? The best athletic programs in the country. Yeah, I mean, and they're pretty much in a dead heat with with Stanford, and then a lot of money at Stanford. A lot they of can money. go independent. I feel like well, Notre Dame. Well, but if you're going to be you're end up with four big conferences, we'd be and this also drops to Notre Dame. Yeah, because they're, they're Notre gonna Dame to has to in. make a decision. Yeah, they're going to have to make a decision too. Well, now I mean, you could project the Big Ten as a twenty-team conference potentially. With the additions of Stanford, Washington, Oregon, and Notre Dame, there you go. The big, the SEC is at sixteen. The ACC sits at fourteen, and the Big Twelve would be fourteen. And that's that's essentially your big time college football right there. Obviously, basketball would be included too. But again, it's uh, it's it's happening summer by summer, and yeah, I anticipate more coming. Yeah, the Oregon states and the Washington states of the world will go. Yeah. Nowhere. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's it's unfortunate, but it, yes, it is where it's trending. That. Yep. You know the Pac-12 will still exist as a athletic conference. It'll they'll add San Diego State. They'll add schools from the West Coast, but it will not have, you know, the TV money and the media rights deal that you see in the other four conferences. And that's what is is the revenue. And as we've said to Nick Saban's point yesterday in Destin, just you know unionize this whole thing. But you can't unionize all of college athletics. You could unionize you know 64 college football teams and make that its own thing and take it out from under the umbrella of the NCAA and let the NCAA run everything else and every other sport and even football beyond those, you know, top four conferences. But, um, that you know, it, it's felt like that's where it's been heading for a long time, but it seems like we're getting closer and closer to that being a yeah, reality. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of independent schools. If, you, if I mean, if you go to Oregon State and Washington, those are going to be independents. But again, they, just how do they survive? I don't know. They well, go join the Mountain West. Right. They'd end up in, a, in the, the Pac-12 would have a reshaped conference with new teams, but it would be playing at the second level that still would oh, be yeah, controlled by the NCAA. Sure. Uh, it'd still be on TV, too. I mean, there'd be TV games on. I mean, it would, but again, the, the, the Big Four would be Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, and ACC. And they would run college football, I would imagine. Nobody watches those Pac 12 games, anyways. They're on at like midnight. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of a problem for sure. Uh, part of why USC and UCLA made the move because they wanted to play more, more games in, in the middle of the day. I, ho- uh, I hope they have to play a, like 11 a.m. At Rutgers. Oh, they will. They will. One. Oh, they're going to have to do that. Eventually, you know, every once in a while. But, yeah, that's the story out of That's from Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports and, uh, you know, backing up what we've been saying, that uh, Colorado in substantive talks with the Big 12 about possibly joining. And I do think Arizona could be, be in that same conversation. They just have political issues to, to uh, 
keep that quiet. But uh, happened behind the scenes. Uh, Buck, uh, before we get to some baseball and some other topics of the morning, it's a get you over the hump Wednesday already on this short week coming out of Memorial Day. You dabbled in the Natalia last night. If you I haven't did. heard this, there's a story that Ty has been leading us to out of this state of Indiana. Is that right? Or Iowa, Ty? I think Lafayette, Indiana. Indiana, where a family adopted a, what they thought was a, an eight-year-old young girl from the Ukraine who was dealing with dwarfism. Experiencing dwarf, like she was, they thought they were, you know, adopting this young girl. They were to care for her as part of their family, and now it turns out that she was not eight years old when they adopted uh, her. She was at least like eighteen 20, and maybe twenty-two years 22, old. Twenty-two, maybe twenty-two to thirty. She's got like real lady. And you watched the lady, show last lady night, lady boobs and stuff. And you watched the show, yeah. I and mean, you it, said she's an evil little devil. She's an evil little thing. <laughs> I mean, she's like children of the corn. I mean, she tried to. The, the one son, I mean, she tried it. She's talked about how she was going to kill them and stab them and hide them underneath the house. There she is. And then she, Natalia Grace. The, the, the one kid was going to, for his birthday, they, they wanted to go, he wanted to go milk a cow, like go out into the country and milk a cow. Yeah. And they had to sign the papers about an electric fence. And they said, this little girl's eyes lit up when they talked about the fence could kill you. So she tried to drag the mother onto the fence, and she was MFing her and calling her. How and, Like, how is she dragging her, though? Isn't she's she, strong. She, I mean, she's, like you said, she's, she's, stout. Str- she's stout. You know, like the little guy I tried to pick up, E? Don't who know, slapped my hand. Don't, let's not go back there. <laughs> he slapped but my see, hand I'm seeing when I tried a picture to put him of on, this the, family, on the phone books. And I could see how you could confuse that young girl, that person with a an eight-year-old child. The mom's holding the the. the I don't. She Natalia. looks. She looks extremely Eastern European. She well, sure. Like she's from the Ukraine. Woman. That's and what she she's got bows in her hair, and she got a yeah. little dress on, and so that story's wild. So that show is on the ID Channel. Is that right? Is that where you have to find that? Was it investigative discovery? Yeah, or I mean, ID she, or whatever. They, they actually stuck her in a mental institution. Yes, and she was trying to get. She was trying to do party favors with the staff, the dudes. <laughs> yeah, there is a. What, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, and now TMZ's got a story about about the Ukrainian orphan. Um, <laughs> this story is unbelievable. I, I mean, Natalia I, Grace. I believe in rehabs, but I don't know, man. I just, I don't know how you turn your back. So are you? She's, she, you're convinced that she wasn't an eight year old. Oh, though. I'm totally convinced. Didn't you say that the the doctors are. You know, uh, you know, a report came back and says he's at least 18. Well, that's the, initially, because this happened, what, like 10 plus years ago when this started? Yeah, I don't know how the people don't don't give up. I mean, it's just like an adopted child. You just don't give up. They're like, you, you don't want to give up on them. And well, they, what, these what, folks haven't given oh, up. They gave up. They bought her apartment and moved to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know in the end they did, but but they stuck with her. I mean, it it should take you all of about 15 minutes to look at that little girl and watch her wobble around and stuff and say, <laughs> That's not a kid. That's not an eight-year-old. That's an adult. Well, as we've said, we talked about this story previously. If you adopt someone you think is seven or eight years old and it turns out that they're 20, you know, you're you going to raise them. Out to, of that deal? They're not kids anymore. They're adults by, you know, legally. So at the same time, you know, what do we do? Uh, you know, we, yeah, the middle institution said, well. We can't give her back. We saw the, the back time of her. We she can't. has pubic hair. He goes, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, man. So Bucky's taking into that show. The Maybe finale tonight? Maybe yeah, I'm scared. It scares me. Maybe you're watching the end of uh, I think Ted Lasso is about at, to wrap look, up for I'm a season. I'm looking at my grandkids, going, "Hey, how old are you anyway? Are you sure?" I think they're all. Did you watch uh, Succession last night? I did. What'd you think? Uh, I did watch the final episode of Succession. It was tremendous. 
tremendous. Um, the raw emotion in that show. It's well, they, they do. A good here's job the thing about I won't give any spoilers, but I will just say that the you know that show on par quality wise with the Sopranos and Breaking Bad and some others. Really. It is, but the thing that I, that I I'm trying to think why it isn't as popular. It is. It's wildly popular, but not like those were. There's just there's not a single character that you root for. There's not a single character like even Tony Soprano, who's a murdering mobster. And I think that you felt wa- you wanted. You, and, I don't and know. And Mark something Jonathan that you, Banks and Breaking yes, Bad Mike. That was there, Logan before. I feel like he was the most liked. Oh, I don't know about that. But yeah, it's hard to even find a character in Succession that you like. That's the hard thing. Tom and Greg. Then it's so well written. It's such. You know, they do such a good job of the character development, but you don't like any of them. Like, you wouldn't want to go hang out with any of them I like at Greg. any moment. I like Greg and Tom. Not me. The disgusting <laughs> not bros? Not me. Uh, uh, not at all. But that's why it's good, because they almost, the, the characters are written and they repel you. But then they all have to deal with each other. It makes it a very good show. Same time, maybe that's, because I mean, again, there's, there's, not, there's not like a lovable character. There's not a, a character you're, you're rooting for. And last night, or this this season is over now. Tenth tenth episode of season four, and that's the end of the series. There's got to be it's the end of the series. There's got to yeah, be another season. Supposed to be it. Supposed to be it. Well, especially with the writers' guild strike still into a month oh. now. Yeah, well, let's get AI to write that thing. Come on, <laughs> could be get Monty oh, to write man. it. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I did see the, uh, the the conclusion last night, and uh, it's good. It's good. It's tremendous. But at the same time, kind of the same thing. You're like, all right, they're all just. Terrible people. They're all just terrible people. Um, but you know that's that, that is like the only show I've really gotten into though. And Ted Lasso is back com- to every week. Ted Lasso is completely the opposite, right? With it's just all about positivity and uh, Jason Sudeikis, and that's obviously on um, the streaming. This HBO is where you'll find Succession. All right, so there's some uh, TV talk. We'll get to some baseball talk and some B and E facts of the day. Also, I have to ask you this question, Buck. What in the heck is going on? First, we find out that. 79-year-old Robert De Niro is having a child. Who do you think of when you think of Robert De Niro, first and foremost? Which other actor? Joe Pesci? No. First and foremost, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Yeah, 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 those two together, yeah. Guess who else is having a baby? Al Pacino. Not Al. Details coming. First Craig West. Come on, man. It's Bucky and Aaron. Coming up top of the hour, we'll reset the headlines, including how about the debut for the uh, right-hander Grant Anderson for the from the Round Rock Express up to the Texas Rangers. And had a heck of a performance last night in Detroit. We'll get you details on that. Also in our coaches' corner next hour, we'll hear from David Pierce, Longhorn head baseball coach, as the Horns make plans to head to Coral Gables for the Miami Regional. They're the two seed there. We'll start to preview that. That begins on Friday. Also, Buck, some B&E facts of the day. We got this on Twitter. Appreciate it. That, uh, yes, Succession, the show on HBO is over. No other seasons. This guy says, Greg, not terrible, but Tom is. Also, Ted Lasso, final episode, out today. No other seasons. So two great shows all time coming to a conclusion. Ted Lasso and Succession. Now, I would I would say this. Greg is bad, and yes, Greg is not bad. I just don't think he's likable. I think he's a total dweeb. He's hilarious. He's just annoying. I mean, I know that's his character. I know that's how he's written to be annoying. I just, I'm annoyed by him. But, you know, I don't like any, there's no one to root for in that whole show. I rooted, for, I rooted for Tom and Greg. Well, he, well no spoilers. Yeah, no no spoilers. spoilers. Also, from the facts of the day, the NBA Finals game one is tomorrow night. And the, how about the Nuggets? You know, you got the Heat who have beaten the teams with the two best records in the NBA, the, the one seed Milwaukee, the two seed Boston. To be this, you know, little eighth seed that could. The Nuggets are just the fourth team to reach the finals, but have not faced a team with a win percentage of 550 or higher. Because they've beaten the Lakers, who were the seventh seed. They beat the uh, Suns, 
who were who were below, you know, um, you know, didn't have a great winning percentage this year, uh, and who they beat in the first round, uh, the Nuggets. They smoked through. Uh, the not Minnesota. Was the, it? Eight, the eight seed, uh, whoever the eight seed was. So it they was beat, Minnesota. So they beat yeah. an eight and a seven in the Suns. So they joined the fifty six Warriors, the fifty seven Celtics, and the fifty nine Celtics. So you got to go back. 60 years to find a team that has played teams with a with lower winning percentages on their way to the NBA Finals than the Denver Nuggets. So, does that give Miami some hope? Miami's beaten better teams on their way, at least better by record, better by win percentage to get into the NBA Finals, which start tomorrow night, game also, one. They also had to work harder yeah. to beat those teams. Yeah, uh, so we'll obviously really start to drill down on that with game one being tomorrow night in the mountains there. How about, uh, speaking of baseball, we're going to hear from David Pierce next hour. In a B&E fact of the day, Buck, the Lexington Regional is having a problem. You know, Kentucky is one of the 16 host sites. Right. Uh, eight of the 16 hosts in the NCAA College Baseball Tournament are from the Southeastern Conference, half the field, and Kentucky is one of them. And they're hosting the regional this weekend, but apparently Lexington also is already hosting a country music festival and a big high school baseball state tournament. So it turns out there are no hotel rooms. No rooms at the end? No rooms at the end for anybody. Uh, all the, you know, all the fans of West Virginia and the other teams that are coming to Lexington that want to support their ball club, there are no rooms. Even you know, Kentucky fans who don't live in Lexington want to come watch the Kentucky Wildcats. Where's the Winnebago's? Uh, I don't know. Well, how about this? The university is renting out the dormitories that are empty for summer. So they're putting people up in the dorms. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Why not? Make some cash. Baldwin air Hall. Air says right here. Would you? Well, they're, they're putting would teams. I? Would you stay in a dorm? Yes. I, well, I, as a room, and you're not going to—they're going to pay the same as they would for a hotel room. Well, they're charging the school. You're talking about a guy who goes to the Knights Inn over here. What are you talking about? Those bullet bed, holes in the walls. Those beds are, are a gross. lot worse than the Knights Inn. College beds. It's, well, look, it's like a rubber. Mat. Well, listen though, dude. I've been on a—I was on a college. Yeah, I lived on campus. For, I never lived off campus. That was a long time ago. So, uh, yeah, so or my back now? No, dead man. There are only like walking. ten hotel rooms in all of Lexington, but but they didn't plan for this. This country music festival's been on the books. And taking up most of the hotels, also high school baseball, but so like the schools, like West Virginia's baseball team, and their their coaches are going to stay in the dorms because they don't have anywhere to put them, and the the, the university's charging them for it, of course. Yeah, like a hotel room. I don't know if there are there. I don't know if there there are places for fans to stay. I really don't. What a mess that is. That's not cool. And on our final B and E fact of the day, it is true. We told you a few weeks ago that seventy um, nine year old Robert De Niro has just welcomed a new baby into the world. Now we find out that his good buddy, 83-year-old Al Pacino, is expecting a baby as a father in about a month. And the mother is 29-year-old Noor Afala. We got a lot in common. 29 years old. And they're having a baby. You know what they have in common? What? Having a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me just say this. You know, Al Pacino's one thing at 83, and we'll get into this. Hoo-ah! Robert De Niro at 80. Noor Afala, the mother-to-be, before she dated Al Pacino, she was dating Mick Jagger. She likes the oldies. What's up with her grandpa complex? (laughs) What is that about? She's waiting on those dudes to die. (laughs) You go from Mick Jagger to Al Pacino? You're locked in for life now. You got a kid. I know. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. See, listen to that guy. And she's a a 29-year-old, very attractive Instagram model. Noor N O O R, oh no, it's Alafa or Alfala, Alfala. We'll go Alfala. Yeah, when you got the blue chew, anything can happen. <laughs> I'm telling you. She previously dated Mick. Come Jagger. on, Hards, what's up?
You can't make that up. A 29-year-old. So when she was dating Mick Jagger, she was like 25. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Making money. Making money. We'll, We'll be back. It's true love.